Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. Stangy Law Firm is a family law firm with offices in Missouri and Illinois. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an interesting topic today. The topic is waiting for a court judgment in divorce and family law. And this is based on an article we have on FamilyLawHeadquarters.com dated December 4th, 2016, titled, How Long Do We Wait for a Court Judgment? So as a follow-up to the episode today, definitely go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com and read the article, which is based on this topic as well. So let's go ahead and jump on into the topic. Uh, in some divorce or family law matters, the cases just can't settle for whatever reason, right? The parties uh, might have attempted to settle. Maybe they sent settlement offers to each other. Um, maybe they attended court dates known as like pretrial conferences or settlement conferences where they tried to settle the case um, and it didn't work out. Uh, maybe they went to mediation and again, uh, maybe they were unsuccessful. The truth of the matter is, while most cases do settle, there are a certain number of cases that ultimately have to end up going to trial. And and again, I mean, definitely check with an attorney who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction. Um, but in a general sense, and in most jurisdictions, uh, family law matters or divorce uh, cases are decided by judges. I know there's some uh, jurisdictions uh, where, where maybe a jury comes into play. Uh, but where I practice in Missouri and Illinois, uh, these cases are decided by judges. And so definitely uh, check with an attorney who's who's practicing law in your jurisdiction. They can fill you in exactly on how things work, where you are located. Um, but in cases where a judge is having to decide, uh, the question a lot of parties have is how long is it going to take uh, for the judge to make a decision and I think what a lot of parties think is this, is, you know, they watch courtroom TV shows and there's a ton of them out there. And what parties are used to seeing, right, is individuals coming into this courtroom TV setting. Uh, they make their case personally in front of the judge, right, and then maybe there's a couple commercial breaks or something, and then the judge ultimately comes back at some point at the end of the episode or the end of the segment involving those particular parties, and the judge makes a decision on the bench, right? And so people, people are used to seeing that. Uh, that's normal uh, for them because that's just kind of, you know, their perception of court and how it works. And so I think for a lot of parties, what they're thinking is they're going to come into court, you know, there's going to be this little hearing, uh, and at the end of it, the judge is just going to, you know, make a decision, bang down the gavel, you know, tell everybody what their decision is, and there you go. And so I think that perception uh, fuels a lot of people's viewpoint of court in terms of how things work. And then when they come into court uh, and they see the way uh, it works, I think for a lot of parties, um, I think it's surprising to them. I think that that the truth of the matter is their perception of how this is going to work turns out to be totally different uh, in terms of how it actually works in, in a lot of jurisdictions or most jurisdictions. So, you know, how does a trial uh, work uh, well again we'll be you know real general here uh, but in most cases you know the parties testify so if it's a divorce the husband and the wife testify if it's some other family law matter uh, like a paternity case or an adoption that might be contested let's say uh, I mean you name the case but the parties to it generally testify uh, other witnesses 
uh, can be called in to testify by the parties, and these could be non-expert witnesses. Uh, they could be expert witnesses, uh, but they come in and testify. Um, and uh, evidence is ultimately submitted uh, by the parties in court. So uh, this could be a litany of things, and really the possibilities are endless, but uh, take a divorce. It could be like appraisals of real estate, right? could be a custody evaluation. It could be a psychological evaluation. It could be a business evaluation. I mean, you name it, a lot of different possibilities, but evidence is ultimately uh, submitted, uh, and then uh, ultimately the case concludes. Now, in terms of the length of a, of a trial in a divorce or family law matter, again, it can be a lot of variance, and the variance can be based on uh, the complexity of the case, can also be uh, based in, in large part in, uh, as well in terms of the jurisdiction. So has the judge set some sort of time limit on this trial? Um, you know, some trials could be done, uh, relatively simple ones, let's say in a half a day. Uh, some trials might take a whole day. Uh, some more complex cases might take multiple days. And again, this is going to really vary based on the case. Uh, based on the facts and based on the jurisdiction of the judge and whatnot. So definitely consult an attorney in your jurisdiction. Uh, but the truth of the matter is once all of this evidence is submitted, right, so witnesses testify, evidence is submitted, uh, maybe there were opening statements and closing statements, uh, like a more formal trial, uh, then ultimately the case is submitted and it's in the hands of the judge. And, again, that question that comes back to is how long do we wait for the judge to make a decision uh, and again, there can be a lot of variance here, so I'm speaking very generally. But again, the point I want to sort of drive home is I think a lot of parties just assume that as soon as that uh, trial is over, the judge is going to, like on a courtroom TV show, tell everybody their opinion, bang down the gavel, and that's it, right? And for a lot of parties, if that doesn't happen, uh, they can become very upset. So the question is, if if the judge isn't going to rule from the from the bench, which at least in my experience is very rare that a judge does it, um, how long do we wait uh, for the judge to make the decision? And, and that's the question a lot of parties have. And again, this can take a while for a judge to make a decision. Um, and again, check with an attorney in your jurisdiction. Uh, check with, with an attorney who's familiar with the judge who's going to be making the decision. I can just tell you from my personal experience, um, it can take judges, in my experience, several weeks to make a decision, sometimes several months. I've even seen it take longer than several months uh, for a judge to make a decision on a case. Uh, and this can be very disappointing to a lot of parties because for a lot of parties, they feel like their life is hanging in the balance, right? They're on pins and needles wondering what's going to happen. You know, how is their life going to look going forward? Um, and so for a lot of parties, when they hear several weeks, maybe several months for a decision, maybe even longer than that, I think it can cause a lot of parties to become very upset, sort of dismayed, uh, confused, if you will. And so the, the typical retort from a lot of individuals who, you know, after they hear several weeks, several months, maybe longer, they say, well, why? Why does it take a judge so long uh, to make a decision uh, in a case like this, I mean, shouldn't it be easier for a judge to make a decision? I mean, shouldn't they do it quicker? And why can't they just rule from the bench after the trial? Why do they make us wait? Uh, you know, the wait in the eyes of a lot of clients um, is just grueling and gut-wrenching. So I'm going to give you some of the reasons why uh, the decisions can take 
several weeks, several months, or even longer. Uh, try to break this down for the listeners. And again, I can just give you some of the common ones. Uh, there could be other reasons as well, right? There could be other reasons why a particular judge uh, takes that time frame or longer to make a decision. But let me give you some of the common reasons. And I think in terms of going through these, I think this this will make a lot of sense to a lot of individuals when they really kind of step away um, from their particular situation and think about it. So uh, reason number one, it can take a lot of judges some time to make their decision is this, is I think sometimes judges have to make up their mind, right? I think a lot of parties think uh, that these decisions are pretty obvious. Uh, they're pretty cut and dry, uh, that a judge has, has made up their mind uh, right after this trial has ended, and they just ought to tell everybody what their decision is. Truth be told, I think for a lot of judges, uh, and I've never been a judge, I'm not a judge, right, but just in, in terms of seeing uh, 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 judges in action uh, through my career, I think a lot of judges would be candid in saying, you know, at the conclusion of a trial, uh, I might not have definitively made up my mind, right? I might be leaning one way. I might be, uh, uh, you know, sort of swinging in one direction versus the other. But I think for a lot of judges, I think they know this. This these are serious decisions. And the decisions that they make, you know, affects real people's lives. And so I think any judge wants to get it right, right? They want to make a decision that's going to be just, that's going to be fair. You know, if there's kids involved, they want to make sure that, their judgment is in the best interest of the children. So, you know, reason number one is a lot of judges might not have definitively made up their mind uh, after the conclusion of the trial. And so what a lot of judges do, and I think they'll be very candid in saying it, is they want to go back and review the evidence, right? I referenced some of the types of evidence that could be submitted in terms of expert-type reports or stuff like that. I mean, they might need to sit down and read it and really review it uh, to really fully understand it. Uh, some judges might want to go back and read the transcript uh, to see what exactly uh, the parties testified to, right? I mean, sometimes uh, you can hear it, uh, but I think for some judges it's important to go back and read it and make sure that they, uh, you know, what they heard is what was actually said. And so I think a lot of uh, judges are going back, reading the transcript, reviewing evidence, and after they've done that, then a lot of judges are comfortable in terms of issuing a judgment because they've they've given this the seriousness uh, that it deserves. They've really given uh, you know uh, a lot of consideration to the evidence that was submitted. So that would be reason number one. Uh, uh, reason number two is this: that uh, some judges are required by law to make specific legal findings and then findings of fact. Uh, and, and so they've got to make these pursuant to state law. Again, make sure you consult with an attorney who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction, right, to get the specifics about this. Um, but the very uh, a general sense, uh, judges have legal requirements that they have to abide by. In a lot of state laws, the requirement is spelling out uh, what they found, right? So what did they find? Who did they believe? And then uh, in terms of their decision, what law do they rely on, uh, which would be the conclusions of law in terms of rendering their decision. So in a lot of ways, judges are really required in a divorce or family law context in a lot of jurisdictions to really make a written judgment, right? 
Um, so uh, reason number two would be really legal requirements, that the, that the judge make a written uh, finding in terms of the facts they found and the law they relied on. Uh, a third reason uh, is this, is I think some judges uh, might feel like they're better able to explain what they did in writing uh, versus trying to explain it from the bench. And I don't, you know, I don't know if a lot of you all can really relate to this, uh, but for a lot of people, um, it, there's just a greater comfort level in terms of word usage, uh, in terms of being specific about what the judgment is, uh, in, in terms of putting it in writing versus just saying it off the cuff, right, uh, orally. Uh, uh, and so I think a lot of judges, you know, just the precision in terms of word usage, the carefulness in terms of word usage, in terms of emotion, and then in terms of being specific, uh, it could be better met through a written judgment uh, versus just saying it orally off the cuff from the bench. So that would be uh, a third uh, reason why you know some judges need to take some time in terms of making their decision. Uh, a fourth reason would be this, which is right after the conclusion of a trial, uh, parties' emotions can be running really high, right? Uh, I mean, this is in a lot of ways a grueling experience, uh, uh, tough, gut-wrenching, whatnot, and I think in a lot of ways a written judgment after the fact in a lot of circumstances is really going to be better received by the parties than the judge ruling right uh, from the conclu right after you know this trial is over from the bench when emotions are still high. So I think there's a lot of truth to let the emotions come down, uh, let people uh, just sort of uh, deal with the fact that they went through a trial and work through all those emotions uh, first before uh, getting that decision and that ultimately the decision will be better received if the emotions have kind of dialed itself down. Um, a fifth reason, uh, it, it can take some judges some time uh, to make decisions as well is this, which is judges uh, can hear a lot of cases, right? They can have really busy dockets. Uh, judges can have other important issues or items on their agenda uh, as well. And so truth be told, I know this is tough for a lot of parties to grapple with, um, but uh, a client's case isn't the only case before that judge, right? So that judge might also be writing other judgments in other cases as well, right? And that can create a backlog in a lot of ways in terms of the time frame for a decision uh, to be issued. So that would be a fifth reason as well. Uh, obviously, there can be lots of other reasons as well why it can take several weeks, several months, or longer for a judge to make a decision in a lot of cases. Uh, but these are five of them, uh, which I have found to be true in a lot of instances and I think sort of worthy of mention. So, again, truth be told, uh, check with an attorney in your jurisdiction. Uh, they can fill you in on what a typical time frame might be for your case. Uh, but in a general sense, don't expect an instant judgment from the bench in a lot of instances. I think for a lot of parties, if you expect it, uh, you end up being you end up being disappointed because it can take time uh, for a judge to issue a judgment in a lot of instances. So uh, that is a topic here today. Again, as a follow-up to the episode, go on over to FamilyLawHeadquarters.com, check out the article titled "How Long Do We Wait for a Court Judgment?" and the date of that article is December fourth. 2016. Thanks again for tuning in. Stay tuned to our next episode on Family Law Talk coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. 
Visit StangyLawFirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision that should not be based solely upon advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtain on this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be legal advice. You should contact an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. And finally, past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stang is responsible for the content. Principal Place of Business, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450, Clayton, Missouri, 63105.